0: Blue wire. Think about Lawrence fires for the end zone touchdown Alabama wins Elliot dodge the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by
0: Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's done.
1: Welcome to episode 158 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Uh, He is in Chi-Town, actually known as Chicago. I call it Chi-Town. I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee, where the weather seriously does not know what it wants to do Mm. from day to day. One day it's 70 degrees. We're supposed to be getting snow this weekend. So how are you doing, Joshua? Is it snowing there?
0: Yeah, it snowed yesterday after it was oh, it like did. 70 over the weekend. Yeah, so we're okay. going through the same thing. I think it's supposed to snow on Friday, and I'm catching a flight to Florida Friday night, so hopefully <laughs> that doesn't get in the way of my travel plans.
1: Well, uh, let's just say you're getting away at the right time, hopefully.
0: Yeah, so here's here's a story. Okay. It's a great one. I think the people will love it. So I was uh, heading home from Chicago to Columbus on Friday after my show. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we wrap at 530 Central. So, you know, we probably all end up leaving the office around 6, 615 or so. So uh, I'm driving, I'm on US 30 headed east, you know, Indiana, terrible ass country back roads. And my car starts wobbling. (laughs) I'm like, ah, boy, this is no good. And then a boom and a (gasps) bunch of thumps come after that. And so like. Basically the tread, my tire, like, I I don't even know. It looks like it was like sliced, like slashed my tire. And then the tread basically like peeled off, but it stayed connected. So it was like thumping (gasps) the wheel well. It took off like the molding on the side of my car. So I'm like, ah, crap. I drive a Beamer. um, They stopped putting spares in them because you have run flat tires. So I didn't have a spare. I'm sitting on the side of the, the, um, the highway, and I call AAA, they're like, we're gonna get you out of truck, but since you're in the middle of nowhere, it's gonna take a little while, It'll be about an hour. So I wait, hour goes by, I'm like, ah, uh, do I call them hour 15, hour 20? I'm like, okay, I'm calling them. Uh, they're like, oh, sorry, the company that we called apparently doesn't have any trucks, so we call another company. It's gonna be about 45 minutes. So I wait another hour, uh, I call them back. This time, I didn't even get through to them. I'm like, F- it. What? I took matters into my own hands, So I called a tow truck, dude comes, picks me up. He's like, oh yeah, man, I saw you out here a few hours ago. He's like, you Mm must've been waiting for a long time. Like, ha ha, he he, bastard. So um, he puts my car on the tow truck. Um, We drop it off at this place in Fort Wayne, Indiana. All the while I had called Maddie, as soon as my car had like busted or whatever, she's like, I can come and pick you up. So she's driving. I'm like, I think we need to stay the night because I'm just gonna leave my car at this auto shop and see if they will take a look at it in the morning when they open. So we stayed the night there. We wake up, we go to the auto shop. They're like, oh, we're not actually open for business today. We just have office hours. (gasps) I'm like, why? Like, what does that even mean? So. I'm like, fine, can you tell me another spot that's like nearby that we can take it? And I called the other tire shop and they're like, oh, we actually only have one tire technician. And so nobody can change your tire. I'm like, damn, that's crazy. So we end up calling another tow truck. I'm like, can you tell me to Columbus, Ohio? They're like, yeah, but our, uh, the only driver that would be available is actually off today. So I'll just call him. He'll be able to come and get you. But it'll be probably an hour and a half. I'm like, all right. So we wait an hour and a half. Um, he comes, picks up the car, puts it on the back of the truck. Me and Maddie drive to Columbus. I pull up at the car shop. Um, the dude was like, my mechanic's like, yeah, I can put a tire on it, but you got some other stuff going on. I'm like, let's just wait. I'm not trying to, you know, drive around a uh, um, a bad car. And so, yeah, me and Maddie rented a car and drove back to Chicago. We left her car in Columbus. My car is at the shop. We took a rental back here. And so now we're Ubering around the city for the week. But it was a hell of a time getting back. And and I left like, you know, I got to drive back. So we had left like Sunday afternoon around, you know, four o'clock, let's say so. I didn't get back to Columbus Saturday until around two thirty three o'clock. So I spent basically twenty four hours in the city before I was back on the road.
1: What in the world? Oh yeah. my god! I'm that that sucks. Like there's no other way to put it. That that's the one thing that I think. anytime a car breaks down or you have an issue with the car, and you have things like AAA and all that stuff, so that it can make it easier on the person. And obviously, you were jumping through 500 hoops and had to resort to the last possible way to get your car to Columbus.
0: Yeah. It was like...
1: Oh, God, Joshua. So unideal.
0: And then this is going to be the other problem, is the... I called my insurance company yesterday. Yeah. And they're working on it. But, um, for example, like the second tow truck that we used to get to columbus which was expensive oh the yeah guy didn't like he didn't have a receipt so then i'm gonna have to call the company down or call the company and chase down a receipt so i can turn that into the uh insurance oh, like it's God. yeah it's gonna be a it's gonna be a situation now
1: this is what it takes for you to have to juggle between you know maddie still in columbus you in chicago because she's not moved up there yet has she
0: No, she won't be for the next, like, two weeks either.
1: Okay, so it's, yeah, you're still kind of, like, having to deal with all that. I think people sometimes forget in our jobs, too, like, when you have a significant other or you have kids or whatever, a lot of the times, I don't think people realize this, but when you get a new job... Like you're you're gone. Like you literally up and move within like a week or at the most two weeks, and usually your significant other and your kids, if you have a family, they're yep. behind for a while. And I don't think people yep. realize that about this business. Um, it's very like you pick up and go, and you you start a new job right away because there's no downtime. Like no. we don't get those perks like other jobs do. And I'm not trying to complain. Like we signed up for what we signed up for, but it is like juggling a lot of things. Yeah. You know, so and is, a new job.
0: <laughs> basically, the situation is like, I, I auditioned for the job in early December and a couple weeks or excuse me, a couple days before Christmas, they're like, Hey, we want you uh, for the job. I'm like, yeah. great. Um, we worked out the details after the new year because, um, I was covering the Rose Bowl for big 10 network Yeah. and, um, literally like they're like, okay, well the national championship for football is on the 11th. We need you to do, uh, we need you to live tweet through the game. Then on the 12th, we'd like to get you in Chicago. Oh, (laughs) okay.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) that was basically it. Yeah. And that's it, it, if you guys are uh, not familiar with, with Joshua's new gig, he is working at Bally um, Sports. He does the rally uh, actual national show. So you can tune in on Bally every uh, weekday. And obviously times are different in different parts of the country. But it's a, I would, is it an hour, two hour and a half show, two and a half hour show?
0: It's a hour and a half.
1: Hour and a half show. Yeah. And so yes. he's been up there working. Um, On that, which covers, you know, every single sport out there. So it's just been a lot of a change for Joshua in terms of uh, balancing everything. But I'm glad that you guys were safe, first and foremost, because that always worries me when you're stranded on the road. Um, And second of all, it's nice that Maddie gets to spend some time up there this week. So that's really good.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a fun week.
1: Enjoy and try to get out to as much dinners as you can. That's what that's what I'll have to yes, say if you're not snowed exactly in.
0: That's exactly what I'm getting ready to do. I'm about right? to eat. All week. You're
1: about to eat, and that's what a lot of uh, people were doing. Media people, especially at the NFL Combine this past week in Indianapolis, because Joshua is the one who made me aware of the shrimp, and he actually sent me uh, a tweet, a, a message showing that the shrimp is not just for dinner. Or lunch like there was shrimp on showcase for breakfast yeah. and so this is like an all-day thing if you like shrimp again Indy in the combine is the place to be like yeah, I was like yeah my mouth was watering I was like this just looks simply amazing so the combine I would say a, a, a success like usually it's a great thing to watch if you like that kind of stuff uh, we had it in our sports office going all day every day last week. And there were some some great things to take from it, I think, Joshua. The one thing that I'll, I'll um, post to you, I'll throw at you, is I did not go up to the NFL Combine. My boss did. And one thing he said when he came back from the Combine this last week is he said, wow, I can't tell you how much I was impressed with these young men and how they were with us, the media. Like, they were very well-spoken. He goes up almost every year. And he said, this might've been one of the greatest groups in terms of just maturity, the way that they answered questions. And and that was really um, not shocking to me, but I was, I was like, wow, I don't know if I expected that.
0: Yeah. It's um, I think this is part of it, right? Is there's a, a hyper focus now on um, how, the media drives narratives and therefore they can drive, um, yeah. you know, what the, the not just the public, but also what some of these um, decision makers think about players. You know, you sure. want a guy who's going to be marketable and you want a guy who's going to be friendly with the media and that's well liked. And I think that'll get you a little bit of favor, especially if you mm-hmm. are a player who struggles early on or if you're an organization that drafts a player that struggles early on. Um, You know, the media is going to be a little bit kinder than if you draft a a player that the media doesn't like and they struggle, like they're just going to kill them all the time. Um, So I think there is an awareness around that, that, um, you know, agents and uh, these draft prep companies have really worked on players' presence in front of the media. Here's the other thing, though. And this is why these kids are going to be a lot better with the media than people in the past. NIL they're all brands. Yeah. Everybody's a brand. Right. Everybody's been working on their branding. Everybody's been working on yeah. their, you know, how they present themselves with their elevator pitch. Like these kids know how to communicate who yeah. they are to people a lot better than even a handful of years ago when I was doing this thing. You know, it's just it's yeah. a different world that they live in right now.
1: No, that's a great point. And I think the, I think the NIL definitely plays into that because most of these guys um, are talking with, agents and people that have a lot in terms of like 300 hands in the in the the pot trying to tell these guys okay this is what you need to do and this is how you got to be and so it is just i think another thing now you have to to think about when you're a college athlete you know hoping to be an nfl guy one day is that you got to think about all the stuff ahead of time and so, you can't really have those weak moments and if you do i think then you're also um, on in the spotlight, spotlight hundred percent more. You know. Yes,
0: yes, and that un, unnecessary attention is bad during this process. I um, I'm going to start a consulting business that focuses on exactly this. I want to work with agents, and I want to teach athletes how to communicate to the media from an athlete's perspective. Like, I was a good communicator when I was in college. I, my SID always used to put me in front of the media. That's how I got to know you very well. Yep. And now I am a former job who is in this space. And I feel like there are, as these kids start to get older and they get in front of the media more and they start to understand the value that the media can provide, they become a lot better. Yeah. But a lot of these kids aren't bought into it. And so when you talk to... Uh, you know, some of the college kids, they're almost adversarial when it comes to the media or they don't give you good information because they're scared to say yeah. too much to the media. Um And I just, I think, first off, I think it'd be a really lucrative business. Second off, I think it'd, it'd like, it'd be super beneficial to actually be able to get hands-on with athletes and show them like, okay, this is how you use media as a tool to help oh, you, yeah. to help build your brand, you yep. know, to to, you know, basically like, This is how you use the media to become a better version of you.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, that's why I think our jobs, you know, I don't know anymore. I think there's so much more space to, to be used. It's not just TV. Like if you're really, if you've been in this business a while and you've worked with athletes and covered athletes and know how to work with them there, I think there is like so many more avenues now that you could go, um, into, and I think it's only a matter of time that we start to see that stuff happening I'll tell you one thing with the amount of work that I've put into TV and I have definitely feel like I've put in more than I've gotten back. Like I would go that Avenue to work with athletes and, and hopefully get paid more than I've made in this business. <laughs> I yeah. would do that in a heartbeat because that's essentially what I love to do is like to be around the athletes and to help. And t- cause I understand like the grind, right? Like that's yeah. my life. Like that's what my life has been. And most athletes, aren't just like yeah they're gifted a lot of them are gifted but more so than not a lot of them have to work really hard to get to where they are and they have to overcome a lot of stuff and so it's like to be like someone who could give advice or to help kind of guide them in the right direction like I would love to do that kind of stuff um there's just not really a a big avenue for that now but I think there could be with all the stuff that you just said you're exactly right
0: yeah maybe we should look into that I know we always talk about starting businesses but But that's like going to be the next one.
1: I know. I feel like that's one that if you got like the right group, you could do your own company eventually, because if you got the right people, like if you got a former athlete, if you got somebody who had been a media person for a long time and you got the right kind of chemistry, you could probably have a really successful company with the way that college athletics has gone with NIL and just giving like, and being there for these, these athletes it don't have to necessarily be an agent. Right. I mean, agents, I think are a little bit different. Like they can deal with all the money. I don't want to deal with that crap.
0: Like yeah, no, I'll deal with agents, all the rest. The agents need to hire us.
1: Exactly. Boom. There we yeah. go. I want some of that percentage. All right.
0: That's um, that, yes. That's basically <laughs> what I'm saying is like, right? they, you know, they they, They can offer it as a service that separates them from the rest of the agencies and we can get a little bit of that percentage, you know?
1: I like that. I like that. Um, I thought this was interesting, Joshua. So there has been a lot of like, there's obviously every day, everything is different in terms of who's working out of the combine, and what positions are working out. Um, I don't think there was as much attention on the quarterbacks this year because there just isn't a ton of talent. Like there's talent there. But there's not as much as we've seen in the past. It's not as deep of a quarterback class. But I think a guy coming in that maybe wasn't getting anybody talking about him um, as much as some of these other guys like Matt Corral and um, who's the other guy that I'm spacing on, um, the Pitt quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati who, mind you, my boy Joshua right here had been talking about – all season long. And if you go back to any of our podcasts, he would like, I think he would like seriously, like put in something about Ritter almost every week. Like I just am saying to watch out for this guy. Like, a,
0: yeah. He was a pretty solid player.
1: You did. You were like, he's a smart player. He's a little bit older. And I will say this. Yeah, if you read any of the articles that have come out, out about the combine, he was one of the bright spots that, that guys um, were talking about and coming from our own Uh, city down here and what people were saying up there, they really liked Ritter. Uh, A lot of the media down here, they've been talking about how Titans could possibly get a quarterback if it comes in the right spot and if they really like the guy. And a lot of people like Desmond Ritter. He says he kind of compares himself to a Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill uh, type of guy, and Everybody just seems like to be on this, you know, Desmond Ritter train down here, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Desmond Ritter's deal um, is he he measures well. He tested well. He looked really good throwing the football. I think yeah. people are going to understand, um, you know, that he is a, a very smart player. Um, I think people are going to like some of the leadership traits. Um one of the knocks on him was that he was a little bit loose with the football. Um, and I think people are going to have to make a decision on is that, you know, bad football where a guy is making uh, careless throws, or is that aggressive football where a guy is maybe trying to take a chance on the throw and it, it doesn't pay off sure. um, because you, you can, you'd always want a player that's aggressive because you can, you can t- kind of pull it back off of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, there's always a question for a team like Cincinnati, too, is like, you know, your schedule is not going to be as tough as most teams, um, you know, like a power five school. But you can what? make an argument that, you know, the the AAC is is every bit as good as, you know, the ACC to a certain point. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the big 12 to a certain point, the Pac-12, certainly. Oh, yeah. Um, and. So I I think people, when they start to watch the tape, they realize that he played against um, solid competition for a lot of the year. And then here's the the thing that stands out about this Tennessee situation down there for your people is, you know, Luke Fickle and Mike Vrabel, you know, they they got got a a little bit of history together. They kind of know each other a little bit. (laughs) You know, I I think Luke would be probably the, the biggest resource and for anybody who had the question about him, but specifically yeah. for Mike Vrabel, like he's he's going to be straight up with his boy.
1: Well, that's the thing about Mike Vrabel too. If you pay attention to anything in Mike Vrabel's like career, he is one of those guys that connections are everything. Like yeah. most of his staff. A lot of players they all are here because of connections and I'm I'm kind I mean I'm the same way in life like if I connect with you at some point or I know somebody that you know and I trust you because it's all about trust in the end I mean that's when it comes down to so that was one of the first things I thought about Joshua was oh Luke Fickle connection right I mean he's gonna take Luke Fickle's like word for whatever he says right
0: yeah and I I think if if that would come together like that would have to be a huge factor in it like yeah you know for Luke sure. Fickle obviously wants Desmond Ritter to be drafted as high as possible but he you know he doesn't want to burn bridges with contacts and especially somebody as close as Vrabel like he's going to be yeah. pretty straight up but um I don't know I, I think that would be really unique Um on, on Luke Fickle just real quick this is going to be a busy man um, you know, getting ready for spring ball and yeah. all that that happens this time of year. And he's got to break in some new staff members, um, which is never an easy task. But you look at this guy, man, the amount of players that he's got that are going to be high draft picks, like first, yes. second, or third round draft picks. Like, he, I mean, his phone's going to be blowing up yep. with people asking him about his guys.
1: I love it I it this is the kind of stuff I am here for these type of coaches like the coaches that actually do the work to get to where they are and he's then built a like
0: program
1: yes you know yes <laughs> yes and they' are reaping the benefits of it now but yeah. then to add to it he's staying like he's signing yes. a new contract not at Notre Dame not at Florida not at one of these big huge college at Cincinnati Folks, yep. like, it, it can it can be okay to stay, like Mark Few did at Gonzaga. It can be yep. okay to stay and build a program and actually be there for a reason, to, like, yep. to build something and to help athletes and not to just bounce around and collect paychecks. I'm sorry. Yep. That's the type of person I am, and those are the type of people I root for yep. at any type of, you know, career path. So
0: I remember a few years ago, too, and I, I mean, I guess this is going to be – a part of the, the conversation we might as well bump this one up in the rundown um you know we we talked about how we thought he was going to be a really good hire at Cincinnati he's yeah. a guy who was you know basically at one place his whole career and he had done multiple jobs at Ohio State but he you know he spent the overwhelming majority of his coaching career at Ohio State and then all right. of a sudden you know he takes a step out he's a leap a leap of faith if you will um, that he was going to go to Cincinnati and move his six children and his wife down there, and uh, you know, it's not a program that it's impossible to have success at, but it's definitely for a guy like Luke. Like, man, he just really kind of said, "Okay, you know, I'm 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 going to step out here and see what I can do." And we were like, "Man, I think this is perfect. Like, he's going to be a great hire there. He he knows how to recruit the state of Ohio. He's a Midwest guy. I think he's that- going to be able to connect with players. Community is going to love him." Literally did that. Literally did all. Yeah, like, yeah. He, dude is he? He is, in my opinion, he has to be one of the top college football coaches in the game today. Yeah, and people would say, "Well, I want to see him have success at a school like Ohio State or at like a Penn State or Florida or USC." I don't need to see it.
1: No, like
0: the dude took Cincinnati to the playoffs.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like, Which no one thought was gonna happen.
0: He's this is not to piss Buckeye fans off. He's the king of Ohio right now. Yeah. Like Cincinnati, you could make a, a, a legitimate argument and I would go there. Probably would have beat Ohio State this year, especially yep. the some of the struggles that Ohio State had. You look at I agree. the draftable players right now for Cincinnati versus the draftable players for Ohio State, like You know, for this year's draft class, it's going to be fairly even. Like, they're going to have – Cincinnati's going to have a couple first-round picks. Ohio State's going to have a couple first-round picks. Like, he has a program that is one of the top in college football, but they don't have the advantage that Ohio State has. They don't have the advantages that USC has. They don't have the built-in advantages of a Texas, which his program is better than Texas.
1: That exactly. And so that's why you have to give him even more kind of credit is because for what he's using and the things that he has at his disposal, like it's not as much as all these other programs. Um, but yet yeah, he still continues to feel like he can build that program up. And I'm sure he'll get more resources now that they have really been put on yep. the map. Um and so we'll go back to that in a minute because I do want you because this was an ESPN article that was written up about the best college football hires in the last five years. And so I, I want you to to pick a couple of these where you think they land, and um, then I'm going to tell you what, who were the top ten. So it will be fun. It will be a little game for you. Um, one more thing about the combat that I, I wanted to ask. First of all, another thing that was just really shocking is like the speed of these offensive linemen and how athletic they are now. just more so than ever I feel like. Um, it's just it was amazing seeing big dudes run the 40. Like in the time yes. that they were running it. I was like, "Whoa.
0: What the so heck
1: is going on?"
0: Let's let's jump on that real quick. Um, the thing that stands out to me is everybody was fast this year like there's some of the fastest times recorded at the combine
1: yeah um
0: football is a fast man's game and
1: yeah
0: i talked to um the high school athletes i used to work with they used to coach track and field at westerville north high school um just north of columbus and um the football players during the spring would always be in the weight room working out. And I'm like, guys, instead of lifting a bunch of weights, y'all need to be out here on the track with us and you need to be running because football is a fast man sport. And I would tell them all the time. I'm like, track was my best sport in high school. Yeah. Um, Like I, I could run, I could jump. It's, it's a sport for athletes. It was my best sport in high school. And I still went to college on a football scholarship yes. and I still played in the league, but I emphasized my ability to run and we see it now. And the yes. kids don't freaking listen to me, which is wild. And so hopefully they <laughs> saw the combine from this weekend and they'll start listening to Thank your boy. But all that to say, offenses, this is what offenses do is they want to create space. And you do that by having fast players. And so on defense, what you want to do is you want to eat up space and you do that by having fast players. On offense, the offensive lines are zone blocking, right? So those are big men that are on the move.
1: For Mm -hmm. defenses,
0: a lot of defenses are moving their front players around because it causes issues in blocking schemes, right? So everything I'm talking about is a movement skill. The ability to run in today's game of football is paramount. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a great football player, but if you cannot run... I can assure you that you're you're probably not going to get a shot. Like, sure. you don't have to be the fastest guy, but you need to be an athlete. And oh, there's a God, bunch of athletes yeah. out there now.
1: There is a bunch of athletes. And then one more thing, speaking of athletes, I mean, wide receivers, I, I just feel like, you know, coming out of college now, there's so many of them that that we're looking at and saying, oh my goodness, like, they're, they could be really valuable. And what is really shocking to me is, I think this year the talk is there are a lot of teams that think that they can get one of these wide receivers, these really talented wide receivers, in, like, the second round. I mean, they don't necessarily need to wait or to take them anymore, at least at this point um, in this draft. They don't necessarily need to take them right away. And I think, you know, that's an interesting point, because if you go back and and really make a list of wide receivers that were taken in the draft – you can go back to that point of a lot of these guys were like second to third round guys that end up having really incredible careers. Um, yeah. So you get lost sometimes in this, oh gosh, I got to take this guy in the first round. And it's like, wait, maybe not.
0: It's um, so one of the draft analysts said like, there could be six wide receivers taken in the first round. And yeah. you go down the list and it's like, okay, well, there's probably like what, eight, nine, ten guys that have a first round grade this year mm-hmm. at wide mm-hmm. receivers. Yep. I mean, there's uh, there are some guys. Um so yeah, I mean for certain positions it's really gonna stink. Uh like if you're if you're one of those wide receivers that's, you know, a first round grade and you get taken in the second round, that right. stinks. sticks. Um But that also probably means that there are other positions that aren't nearly as deep. And for some of those guys, they're like, yes, like, you know, I'm getting getting overdrafted. Like, I'm getting a little bit more than I should on my first deal." So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, but it goes back to the, how, how many athletes are in the game? Um, Yeah. Because it's not just like Chris Olave, who is not the biggest man on the planet, um yep. it's not just him being really fast. It's like, you know, the six foot three wide receiver that's running like a four-four.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yes. what's crazy. And by the way, Olave is another one that uh is really being talked about down here in Tennessee. So there's a lot of buckeyes. So uh maybe they'll get a buckeye, which I would be happy about. So I could get your I
0: right. would love that.
1: Right? Then I could really break it down with Joshua. I can have original take on it because I'll be like, I talked to to my guy, Joshua Perry, who's been following these guys for a while now. That's whenever they bring up these names, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot about this guy or that guy because we've been talking about them for the past couple seasons um, where for some of these writers and these TV people down here, they don't pay attention to that stuff, you know, until the draft. I'm like, yeah, join join the party. Um, this is interesting. I just want to get your take on this. So, I just there's, there's not many sports teams. And when you think of statues, you probably think of like the professional teams that build these statues. Yes, there are some college teams that do it as well. <laughs> I just I don't know how I feel about this. So, Oklahoma has announced that they're going to build a statue of Baker Mayfield. Uh, Of course, he was the 2017 Heisman winner. Um, When he was in college, passed for 4,627 yards, 43 touchdowns. Um, Sorry, that was in 2017. And then he led, obviously, the Sooners to a Big 12 uh, title and a conference uh, or a college football playoff appearance. Here's the thing. Like, statues to me are, you get those when you're the biggest and the baddest and it's a very, very special thing. And no knock against Baker Mayfield. But so what? what's the difference between Baker Mayfield and some of the other really fantastic players who have come through Oklahoma? Like, I don't, um, I'm not really under – I mean, he hasn't done anything in the NFL. Like, I'm not saying – obviously, they're really in a statue of what he did there. But to me, I feel like you have to have the whole package to really be getting a statue somewhere.
0: I wish I had a statue somewhere.
1: Well, that's what I was saying. I'm like, Joshua, like what, but you as a, as a player, I mean, do you feel like, I'm sure he's just on cloud nine, like, oh, this is, this is awesome. You know, Uh, you know, I've got a statue now at Oklahoma, but he's really not doing what he's supposed to be in the NFL. I'd be like, I don't know if I want a statue, you know, I don't know.
0: I think they, I think it's a Heisman thing that they do. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up here. Um. Heisman Park across the street from Memorial Stadium. So, so they
1: put all their Heisman. Okay, okay. I guess yeah. I missed that part.
0: So it's interesting because here's what stands out to me. Let me let me just frame it like this. So if you're an all-American out of Ohio State, like a consensus uh or a first team all American, I don't even know if it has to be consensus, you get a tree in um uh Buckeye Grove, right? A Buckeye tree. And it has a plaque in front of it, and you are memorialized there. Um, we have the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner in college football, and he has Archie Griffin. You know, uh, a ballroom named after him in the student union. Yeah. I'm sure he's got some other stuff named for him. Yep. The only person that I'm aware of that has a statue, football or, or person, is Woody Hayes. Exactly. Outside of the Woody. Yes. Thing, that way, so. yes. Um, and so I think it, it is interesting how some schools choose to memorialize their, uh, you know, their award winning players. I feel right. like a place like Ohio State, there's so many great players yeah. that have just, there's so many. Like, you can't build statues.
1: Right. I just like, I didn't I I guess I wasn't aware that it was like a park like that they had a little air like I didn't know they had an actual you know area where they were building these. these
0: it, statues. Just, I, it had to be something to me because Baker is definitely not the guy I'm building fucking.
1: <laughs> right, I'm I'm going. This is just bizarre. But even so, for them to I building a statue to me again. I'm just maybe I'm old school, but. To me, when you're building a statue, no matter what the situation is, I just feel like that's, like, another level. I can see if he's in some Hall of Fame thing where he's got, you know, his, you know, memorabilia and, and name and what he's done and all that. But, I don't know, a statue, I just think that that's a lot. So, I, I found that. I kind of chuckled.
0: All right. So, let's let's let's, take a, um, let's yeah. take a look here and see what other schools have built statues, statues. for players.
1: Like I said, most pro teams, I, I'll I'll say, oh, okay, I know this, this pro team has done this, whatever. Um, but I just, whenever I hear statue, I just kind of, I'm like, that's a lot. So that's why, um, even if it's like he's a part of these other Heisman winners, it's like, okay, why don't you just do something like it? Because the Buckeyes have that, that kind of awards room where they do all... Like, the trophies they've won. What's that area called? I forgot the name of the area. It's at um, the Woody Hayes.
0: Yeah, the whole, the, uh, it's kind of like a. Yes. It's basically, it's a lobby, but it's like. Yeah, you know. yeah. Uh, like... Cam Newton's got a statue.
1: Cam Newton. Okay. Okay.
0: But I feel like. Cam he did Newton win, like... he
1: did win a national title at Auburn.
0: Yeah, he got a. a...
1: Heisman you know. Trophy,
0: national title. Um, he was a very good player in the NFL.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree he with that took one. The team I, to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm not necessarily mad about that. I mean, especially to to win a national championship. It, I mean, Auburn's a good good football school, but it doesn't have the the greatest history of bringing home trophies. So when you have a quarterback that helps you do that. And you have to admit, he's the one that pretty much got them there. I mean, there's no way they win a Natty without Cam. I mean,
0: they had a couple of guys, but it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, no, it wasn't, yeah. I don't think it was a national title if they had a different quarterback.
1: Exactly. Yeah. See, there's not, Uh, I don't feel like there's many.
0: No, I just, I don't know, I... Let's let's see if Alabama has any statues of players.
1: I bet you, I'll, I don't know if players, of coaches Bear Bryant and Saban, but I don't think they've got players that are. Alabama
0: and, has five statues outside of Bryant Denny Stadium, kay. one for every legendary coach, coach okay. who led the the Crimson Tide to a I'm national okay championship. I'm
1: totally okay with that.
0: Yes, but Alabama, they don't have any players
1: statues. Exactly. So if Alabama isn't putting statues up of their players, folks, I don't think Oklahoma should be. Sorry. Like they shouldn't be. Alabama has produced like amazing talent and, it Alabama's won a lot of natties and a lot of those players you could say oh we put a statue up of this player put a statue up of Derrick Henry because you know it,
0: yeah you're not seeing sure,
1: that you're um, not seeing I mean, that
0: there could be a lot of statues of <laughs> a lot of players yes so, so um they okay. they have plaques to honor there you go and, and staff members yep from each of the national titles. Yep. So I feel like that's. Yep. I feel like Ohio State does that. You know, like. Me uh, too. Basically, what I'm getting at. And this is not to say that Oklahoma does not have a long tradition. No, of, we're uh, not saying great that. football, but it's just strange in my. To yeah. me. Yes. A tradition-rich program putting individual players like that on the pedestal.
1: Yeah, and then when you publicize it like you do, and it's on, you know. ESPN's one of the top headlines on their college football page. Like, clearly you're, you're trying to get the attention of it too. Like, Oh yeah, we're putting up a statue of Baker. Oh yeah. He was just that great. Okay. He he was good. Okay. He was, he was a good quarterback. He obviously won a Heisman, Uh, but let's not like, I don't think we need to be building statues. Anyway, I'm hating whatever. Sometimes I like to do that. Sometimes I like to do that. Really quickly. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on the best college football hires in the last five years. You had been talking earlier about Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. So before, I know he's high up on your list, but let's start um, at number 10 and I'm going to throw this coach out at you. And I think this is a great one to land on the list. Let's just say pig suey.
0: Yeah. Sam Pittman,
1: Sam Pittman, baby. Who I, ever I, thought that an offensive line coach could be a head coach and have success as much as he has had in the past few years, huh?
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's just a personality, too. Like, I, I think Heck that yeah. um, it just agrees with his team, you know. Like, he's he's a uh, – I think he's a no-nonsense coach that you also can tell is a, a person who knows how to connect with players is a person who knows when it is time to have fun as well. Um, And I think he also understands the assignment. Like, it's Arkansas. You know that they're not winning an SEC title. Yeah. Like, you know that they're, they're not going to beat all of the best teams in the SEC. But as long as you put yourself in position to pull off a couple of those victories, like, that is a job well done. And that's exactly what he's done there.
1: He he certainly has. I've had a um a – I've enjoyed actually watching what has happened here in the past few years with Sam Pittman because I covered the SEC, obviously. Just been really impressed with him. And what I like about him, too, is he didn't change as a person. Like, he is who he is. And like you said, he's he's kind of, you know, he's, he's got that personality where he can relate to the guys, but he's also there to get business done. He's a little bit old school in some of the things. That he does uh he turns on the the jukebox uh, i love that after a win turn on that damn jukebox i think that's hilarious uh, turn on that damn jukebox i still wish jukeboxes were a thing i think they were one of the coolest things that we have ever had in terms of like how to play music man like the 50s where the jukebox is like you had a jukebox you put in the coin you flip it to where you want nothing gets better than that like i think that's the coolest thing ever
0: Um, you you could probably find a jukebox on like eBay or something.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. We had a mini one growing up. We had like this little mini one that was really cool that would actually worked. Um, I loved, I loved working with that thing. It was fun. Uh, okay. At number nine. So I don't know if a lot of people will like know this right off the bat because it's not like a huge power school, but UTSA has had a really good program. Um, building over there and so jeff trailer is a head coach there and he uh has picked up a conference usa title conference usa coach of the year in 2021 um bull appearances in each of his first two years prior to getting there 13 and 22 record as a head coach now 19 and 7
0: pretty good yeah so i got to watch uh UTSA against yeah, Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. That was a game that we covered on Big Ten Network, mm-hmm. and Illinois is not a good football team. Um, UTSA also had no intentions of of keeping that game close for Illinois. Um, right, right. And I saw some of the speed that they had on the field, and I saw how well coached they were. Um, yeah offensively they were able to get guys wide open just taking advantage of scheme um, defensively they uh caused a lot of havoc to Illinois quarterback um i'm like man this is a good football team sure <laughs> a lot of people talk about the roadrunners no you look at what their season looked like um he's he's a hell of a coach i think i was impressed by um I was impressed by the on field product, but I was also impressed by the fact that they knew that they were the better team coming in and had Absolutely. no intention of even letting Illinois feel like just yeah. because they're in a better conference that they were the better team.
1: Yeah, it's like the attitude they had coming in was like just because we're the roadrunners and not people many two people talk about us doesn't mean we're gonna beat this team. So it goes to show, you know, what he's installing in these players and the confidence he's building in them in this program. Um so at number eight. Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina, you've, you've clearly seen what, what they've been doing there. Um, so his debut season was in 2019, so he's been there for a few years now. Um, that's the Sunbelt Conference, if y'all are wondering where Coastal Carolina is. Another program that you've heard probably about, if, you've, if you follow college football, but not one that, that we talk about as much. So
0: Hold on one sec. My computer's out here just loud as hell. Just what's ads co- playing.
1: <laughs> I can't even hear it. So if that's I know, I can't.
0: It is drowning you out, which is a
1: problem.
0: <laughs> um all right, so which one are we on? JB Chadwell is at a ah, coastal. Okay Oh, Joshua so, likes this one. Coastal's got swag. They've got an identity. They
1: do, no, no and that you know? teal that teal turf.
0: It's the turf? It's the mullets that them kids wear. It's oh, the you know, mullets! You know, they're the shots. Like you know, it's it's a it's a whole brand. It's it's the uh, the fact that you know what? During the pandemic, we are going to schedule a game within a, the same week that we play.
1: Yeah, like
0: it just coastal feels like a uh, as the kids would say, it feels like a vibe. You know, it, yeah. it feels like a story that we should want to enjoy in college football and. um that is not solely because of the on-field product, which is very good in the amount of games that they win. It's also because it looks like a fun program.
1: It does. It really does. That's a great point. Uh, you definitely feel like when you watch those games, I'm kind of like smiling the whole time, just watching the players, watching coach. It is. And, and the teal turf, uh, you know, say what you want about colored turf, but some players like that stuff. So. It adds to it, uh number seven, he is no longer there, but he was there for a bit. It's Mario Cristobal mm-hmm. um, and I don't know look i I don't know how I feel I, I I feel like yeah he he was a good hire. I do feel like that, and I guess I'm just torn on Oregon just has always underwhelmed for me on what it's compared to what they're supposed to be, like. You didn't get them to a college football playoff. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like to me, if Chip Kelly were the coach and there were the college football playoff, then like they would have been there. But yeah, Crystal Ball didn't get them there. No, I don't know. I, I I I he did a I good think- job, but it's Oregon. You're gonna you just have players flocking there. Yes. Because of the jersey money.
0: I think he instilled a, a toughness in that program sure. that wasn't
1: I agree. And it's not
0: to say that that Chip Kelly, he's he's known as a spread offense guy. Yes. Um his yeah. his offenses were more aggressive in terms of their um what am I looking for? In terms of their physicality uh um, yeah. than a, a typical spread. But but Mario was like an old school football guy. I'm in the trenches, like we're gonna be a tough team. Oh yeah. And they beat Ohio stayed in the shoe. No, they did. I I think there's some credit that is to be deserved there. Now, you look at the other side of it, and it's like, okay, dude, like, you couldn't beat Utah this year to win your conference. Like, come on. Uh, But at the same time, I I think that he left that that program in a better place than when he took it over.
1: Yeah. No, and and I don't think it's ever gone down that much. I don't think it's ever, like, really plummeted, but – he, it, he definitely kept it relevant. I just think yes. that I expected at that point with just the amount of athletes that they get going there, um, the way that they dominate usually in the Pac-12 over the past several years, like to get to a college football playoff, I kind of expected that, and it just didn't happen. Um, so I'm a little harder on the Pac-12. You got to know this because, you know, I... Yeah, I, you got a lot of
0: frustrations with your pack. I do,
1: and I just, I hope, it's gonna change. Also, I'm gonna you're gonna have another year of me dogging on the Pac-12 on this podcast. So you better better hope that uh, USC gets relevant here. So at number six, Billy Napier at Louisiana, and if you guys were wondering where he came from, because a lot of people have talked about him here this over the last year, he was the offensive coordinator actually at Arizona State before he took the job at Louisiana and his record as a coach there is uh 40 and 12 since arriving oh wow yeah
0: so um you said Billy Napier yeah yeah so he was he's like the the whiz kid the yes, hot on the streets uh uh-huh. coach that everybody is like super interested in yep um, you know came from the Saban tree at one point in his career and uh, went to Louisiana and like literally tore things up. Like, I think to be successful at a place like that, you have to understand um, you have to understand your identity as a program. And so that probably was heavily involved in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia high school football. Right. Like, yeah, if you could recruit that footprint, you can be successful. Um, and I'm sure he certainly did that and worked his way into, you know, the head coaching job at Florida eventually. But, um, yeah, it was like, you know, here's the way whiz, the whiz kid, like, worked with quarterbacks a little bit, was a wide receiver guy. Uh, here's the offensive big brain. And then, boom, he's the offensive he big brain. He's exactly. there after balling.
1: Exactly. Um, I'll go through the top five quick here, but this is the one that I, I don't know where I don't know where I'm at. Who do you think's at number five that I'm mm-hmm. stra- that I that I don't know if I can accept this one? Like I, I feel uh, like he w- should have been back a little bit.
0: I couldn't tell you.
1: Uh, no let's good. just say he likes Dumbo.
0: You're talking about Edo. Yeah. So
1: I don't know how to about feel about this, okay? I, I just it's, don't.
0: Is the I hard don't. part about him, though, is he won a national title?
1: I know that, but I don't know how much I can really say that it was because of him.
0: Yeah,
1: Especially now that you look at Joe Burrow and what he continues to do in, in, in the league.
0: Yeah.
1: I, and I'm um, not going to give him no credit. That's not what I'm doing. But I don't know because he just, it seemed to go down real quick after that. Real quick.
0: Yeah, he had some uh, he had some personal issues that got in the way too, you know. <laughs> you know, so
1: well, he's at number five. Okay, so he's at five. <laughs> I, you know, I just skip over. Oh, he's at five. Okay, I don't. Again, I don't dislike Eddie O. I just I don't know what I feel about that. Uh, Matt Rule at four. Obviously, we know Matt Rule is no longer a college football coach, uh, but he did great things at Baylor. Great things at Baylor. Um, I don't think I argue with that. He he really yeah, did he's
0: elevate a and bad he got, pro coach up.
1: He is a bad pro coach. Go back to college ball coach, but really also remember what was going on at Baylor, what he took over. Right. A lot of right. crap. Right?
0: Bad, bad deal.
1: Yeah. Num, okay, real quick, before I get to the top three, I want you to tell me where you think Luke Fickle is on this ESPN top ten.
0: So two of the top three um have to be um Ryan Day and Luke Fickle obviously
1: yes, uh, yes. two names
0: that that haven't been uh put on the list yes. but I said it earlier in the show okay and again it's going to be a little bit unpopular for people but okay. when you look at what Cincinnati was this past season just just kind of looking through that narrow of a scope because Ryan Day did take the Buckeyes to back-to-back playoffs with one national title appearance. I'm not trying to subtract any of that. Um, But when you look at how Cincinnati performed the last couple of years against Georgia in uh, that Peach Bowl that they probably should have won and then again making it to the, uh, the college football playoff this year, Luke Fickle got to be the number one guy on the list.
1: And he is. And I knew Joshua would get this just because we, I, I just know him so well. I knew he would get this. So Luke Fickle is, is the, the top uh, guy on ESPN's list for the top hires in the past five years. That is actually uh, Ryan Day at number two.
0: Yeah, so that makes two, sense.
1: Two Ohio's up in there, and then Lincoln Riley, which I totally agree with, at number three when he was hired at Oklahoma. All right, let's talk about this. Oh, he doesn't want to agree with this, huh?
0: No, I do agree with this. Okay, okay. Part of me thinks that Lincoln Riley is going to flame out at USC.
1: Oh, Joshua! I don't need to hear that right now. This was my one hope that the Pac-12 would get relevant, and you're telling me my dreams are gonna die.
0: I know, and, and it's like, oh, how are you gonna say that with what he's been able to do already? Well, <laughs> you know, I, um, first off, <sighs> I don't want to start <laughs> pooping on people. So, Alex, Alex, is defensive coordinator that he uh, had at Oklahoma. You, he was at Ohio State for a spell. I think. Well, he was like, at
1: Washington State before all of that
0: yeah he he uh i think he grew up in grove city if i'm not mistaken um yeah. might have been a mount union guy i gotta look this up so i don't i don't get the wrong details and assign the wrong city to people um but that's lincoln riley's like guy um yeah he's not a, a great defensive coordinator like i'm not trying to like poo-poo the guy he's from grove city uh oh, he at is. Mount union. yeah oh you're um, right
1: you got that down
0: um he's. He's not that great of a defensive coordinator. Like their defenses have been bad. Then you could say it's recruiting. It's not like the the guy that Ohio state has right now, that was at Oklahoma state. Yeah. He had a bunch of two and three stars on there and they had a top five defense in college football. So I think right. that it's going to be more of this, no defense BS. Um, and there's some quarterbacks in the PAC 12. Like that's one thing that will always exist over there just because of the footprint that is generally recruited. So there will be quarterbacks in that conference. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he got his transfer guy, uh, Caleb Williams, and like that was a very weird thing that was going on with Caleb and Spencer and one's starting yeah. and one's not and pull him out of the lineup and the fans Same. or you know, whatever. So that was a, a situation there. Um I I think that I think that he probably overestimated the when USC is really good they have the attention of la you've got will ferrell on the sidelines yeah celebrity like they, they get involved but i also think that he's underestimating how uphill of a battle it's going to be and also how many things are in la right now that people will be interested in because the chargers are a good football team the rams literally just won a super bowl um the clippers are they're getting some of the attention to L.A. because the Lakers stink right now. Like, I I don't think he's going to be able to market the university as well as he thinks he is. Like, people are excited, but it's L.A. Everybody's too cool. So, after a while, yeah. it's going to die down. Um, no, I – look. So, yeah, that's, that's my deal there. Look, <laughs>
1: so, I, I don't – I I never get too excited about anything in just the, the direction USC – has not gone in in terms of climbing up. It's gone down, if anything. And I think there's natural excitement for a hire like Lincoln Riley. There should be because of what he's done at Oklahoma. But then again, like this is not Oklahoma. Like USC has been a big powerhouse in the in the in the years past. But there is a lot to change since then. And if they really want to to be back to relevance, like it's not going to just happen at the snap of a finger. I, I really do feel like you have to build that again. And you have to yeah. really want guys to come there to play football, not just it, to go, you know, lay on the beach and get a tan at Hermosa beach. Like I just, you have to think football. It's gotta be about football, right?
0: Yeah. And have we ever seen Lincoln Riley build a program? not before? No, like no. he took over Oklahoma, which had, you can make an argument between Oklahoma and probably Ohio State, um, who else would, would you throw in that conversation? That had basically the most stability since the year 2000.
1: Uh, Alabama.
0: Alabama, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, you could throw that in there with, with when Saban came in. But, like, I mean, Oklahoma under uh, Stoops was a phenomenal place to be. They, they were always competitive. They were oh, always yeah. a New Year's Six caliber team. Yeah. They always had really good players. Like Whether or not they were going to win national title, it was a different story. They were yeah. never bad, right? Yeah. Um, so Lincoln took over one of the historic programs that was always in a good spot. Like, I don't, uh, you know, like, I don't know.
1: Well, I know this, we're going to have something to talk about almost every week once the college football season starts with him, because we're going to, I mean, the magnifying glass is huge. I, uh, if, 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 yeah. if I, I mean, it's huge. And again, I just think this is, and I'm not saying it all has to happen this year, but I just think it's a really big year for, for USC to start turning in the right direction and then therefore hopefully elevating the PAC 12 to start going in the right direction. Cause Right now, there just has been no movement, and it can. I think the Pac-12's relevance continues to to dwindle. I just don't think they can they can keep that up. Like if they if they continue to not do stuff and not to be relevant and not be in the college football playoff, like that that conference is going to like dissipate in terms of anybody talking about it ever. It's gonna fade away. It really is. It really is. Um, and so it's just something to keep in mind. Well, friends, guess what? I, I'm proud to say this, Joshua. We have beat a podcast record today for the longest Joshua Perry, Kayla Anderson, Press Pass podcast time. <laughs> we have reached an hour, folks. That is right. <laughs> so if you stuck with us or you split us up during your ride home and your your ride to work and your ride home, man, we applaud you because this is what we do on this podcast. We can just talk forever. You know? Yeah,
0: and I, I apologize for some of the 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 uh, ranting. No, for today, that's what I makes just it had a lot to get off of my chest.
1: That's what makes it special. Because if you do listen to this podcast, you know you're gonna come here and get college football knowledge, but you're also gonna come here to just have some fun and to learn some life lessons from Joshua Perry. Because he always provides us with those. I provide you with a lot of frustration. Um, probably a lot of the times where I'm venting on this podcast, but just know it's cause I love y'all. And if I'm, if I'm opening up to vent to you, then that's how close, you know, we are. <laughs> even if I don't, if, even if I don't know you, I feel comfortable enough on this podcast to vent. So anyway, um, where can they go to follow you, Joshua on social media where you can follow along with all of his good stuff? Of course, with his work on the rally too.
0: Um, you can follow me at RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram
1: perfect you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on both Instagram and Twitter platforms as always we appreciate all of the listeners out there new old um, what, if, even if you're just taste testing us hopefully you stick around uh, and if you like us subscribe we would love that and we again appreciate all of you you guys have a fantastic week We'll be back next week. Take care.